He likes to creep in and cause disruptions and distractions. I pray, Lord, that you hold at bay every distraction and every destruction that will take place in this room this morning, God. And I pray if there's anyone here that's never trusted you as Savior of their life, that before they leave here today, Jesus, that you would speak loud and clear to their hearts and minds. And they would come to know Jesus as their Savior before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we thank you for this time. We praise you for all that you do in our life, in the life of this community. Lord, help us to reach the community. Lord, no matter what the cost, we must reach the lost. And they are out there, Father Lord, and they need to hear the only hope that the world has. And his name is Jesus. God, help us to do that. Help us to be vigilant in doing that. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do. We thank you for our government, our government workers, those that volunteer their time, those that are elected officials that come in. And Lord, are elected, Lord, on behalf to be servants of our public and our public good. Father, I give you praise. Protect our nation. Lord, encourage our leaders. Encourage our presidents and our congresspeople. Lord, help them to be on the right track. Lord, I, I lived up a Chaplain Black, who is the chaplain of the Senate this morning. Lord, what a good and great and godly man. His task is no easy task as he tries to minister to our Congress people up in D.C. And I pray that, Lord, that you just, uh, uh, that you have equipped uh, Chaplain Barry Black and that you encourage him, Lord, as he preaches to the masses of our leaders and that they would hear the gospel message and be saved. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We remember all of our soldiers, sailors, and airmen that are overseas. Pray, God, that you bless them and their families back home during this time. It's never easy, God. I pray for our first responders and the EMS and the folks and our nurses and doctors that work so diligently on people in the hospital who care for the sick and how they serve them. Lord, we thank you for today. We know nothing's possible if it wasn't for you. And, Lord, so for that, we magnify you, we glorify you, we lift you up this morning, for you deserve all of our glory, all of our praise. Lord, use my voice, use my mind, use me, God, to present the word of God to the faithful that are here. And Father, we praise you. Change our hearts and minds, starting with me, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you might want to open them up to John 3. We're going to start here this morning. If you remember, our first Christmas message on December 1st was about what? Christ was what? He's coming. It was about the preparation stages that were taking place all through the Old Testament. I said there are 340 prophecies within the Old Testament that pronounce, that look toward the coming of the Messiah. All those prophecies, most of them were written anywhere from five to 700 years before Jesus was even born. And so those prophecies were important to Jesus. When we were studying the book of Acts, one of the things when Jesus rose from the dead, before he ascended into heaven and sit at the Father's right hand, one of the things that Jesus did was he opened the eyes and the minds of his disciples and of the, all of those that were following him during that time that were close to him, and he opened them up to the law and the prophets. He wanted them to see the fulfillment that he was the very fulfillment of all those 340 prophecies in the Old Testament, and that's what he did. And it's really an amazing thing when you look at it. It was important for Jesus for an understanding. So when somebody tells you that it's not about the Old Testament, no, it absolutely is about the Old Testament. It's about the entire Bible. If you know the book of the Bible, the Bible is about who? It's about one person. From cover to cover, it's about Jesus Christ. From cover to cover, it's about him and his coming, his redemption for all mankind. 
So everything that we do is about making Jesus what? Famous. And we don't need to make him famous. He's already famous. He is the son of the living God. He's the bright morning star. He is the one that come to take away all our sins. 2,000 years ago, he emptied himself on a cross. He took your sin and my sin. He took the sins of the entire world from past to present to future. He took them all and he hung on a cross between two thieves. And he poured out his life's blood. And he did that because he loves you and he loves me. So the first uh, lesson that we talked about, we talked about those Old Testament scriptures of the coming of the Messiah. And then last week we talked about what? He came, right? He came. He was born of what? A virgin, Mary, right? Born of a virgin, right? He had to be born of a virgin because the Holy Spirit is the one that, that did everything. The Holy Spirit did everything in Mary. And, and listen, he had to have an earthly father, right? She was betrothed. Remember, we talked about betrothal, right? And how betrothal was a legal agreement between Joseph and Mary that they were married. Legally, they were technically, they were married. They just had not physically consummated that marriage. And there was an important part of that time back then that in that time, in that moment of time, is when the Holy Spirit would come and would impregnate Mary and she would give birth to Jesus Christ, our Messiah. God's time was perfect. We know in the Jewish, today, the Jew, Jewish says, uh, when people get married today, uh, they do it. That time is very, very short between betrothal and the consummation. It is so short in those ceremonies that they drink two glasses of wine. It's only five minutes apart. And they drink one glass for the betrothal and one glass for the wedding. And they do that so that, hey, they, they show that they keep the tradition of the betrothal. And so, but the important thing was 2,000 years ago, that there was that time in between where the Holy Spirit would work in the life of Mary. Joseph was of the line of David. It was important for him to take the throne. Jesus to take the throne of his father David. And that's why Joseph had to be in there as well. So God is perfect. His timing is perfect. Everything about God is perfect. And aren't you glad there's only one God? Amen. God, there certainly is. So we looked at that. So this week we're going to be communicating how Jesus is connected, how he's connected to this world, how he's connected to you and I specifically. And I want us to think about that because connection is very, very vital for any one of us. We need to be connected. Jesus has a desire for us to be connected or intertwined with one another. And his desire is for our hearts to be knitted together, knitted together with his and knitted together with each other. And that's what we're doing here. So today, you're going to get a little heart for your little box. Somebody you say, well, what are these little boxes for? If you didn't get one and you're a family that had not received one yet, Sister Denise made some more of those just for you so that you can get your little box and take it home. It's already got some things in it. We got a scroll from the first Sunday that represents all the Old Testament scriptures. And we got the little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in that box, right? So, and Sister Denise did all that uh, uh, very tedious. So she did all that as for each one of you. Especially our guests that are here this morning. Make sure you get one. And today, you're going to be getting little hearts to put in there as well, all right? Because it's about having our hearts knitted together. Jesus desires to use to have a relationship with him. That's an ongoing, everyday, real deal, no kidding relationship with him. That when you talk to Jesus, this always been my heartbeat. When I was a student ministry, I remember the church when they were uh, getting ready, when they were interviewing me to come up there, and they were asking what my philosophy was. Well, my philosophy is this. My philosophy is that, listen, I want everybody to have such an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That when they talk to Jesus, he talks back to them. 
That's my heartbeat for every single person. It's vital that we talk to Jesus. And it's vital that we sit and listen and let him talk back to us. We need to do that. He has something great for us to say. He wants to look out for us. He wants to protect us from the evil one. He wants to make sure that we don't make uh, too many mistakes and that we stay on the straight and narrow path. Fulfilling his call and his will for each and every one of us in the ministry. So it's important. So when we look at about him being connected, listen, he's he connected by the touch of his life. Listen, from the birth of a child to the very fact that he hung on the cross, Jesus has touched our lives. He touches our lives. His desire is to touch our lives. His desire is to be involved with our lives. His desire is for us to love him. He's God. And he came here in the flesh, and he dwelt among men, and he went to the cross to seek and to save you and I who had no hope whatsoever. And so take that very importantly in your life. His presence is our present. Today, he still touches us. This very day, this very moment, this very hour behind this podium, he touches me out there. I pray he's touching you. It's important that you know him so that you can be touched by the master. He's the gift. Listen, that you will never get tired of. I'm telling you right now, as a born-again believer, Jesus is the gift that I am never tired of. And sometimes there are things I don't like what he says to me, too, right? But it doesn't mean I'm tired of him. It just means I need to smug up and listen to what he's got to say. Smug up means, you know, at Southern, like, you know, listen up. You know? It's, like a, it's like a protest of the Lord. I need to listen closer to the Lord. Also, he's the gift that never gets broken. He's a gift that never breaks. You ever have gifts that break? Yeah. What happened? What do you do with them? Throw them away. <laughs> Throw them away. Or give it to somebody else next year, right? <laughs> I hope you don't do that. That would not be good. Anyway, but he's also, listen, he is the gift you share with who? Everyone. He's a gift. It's not a gift that's meant to hoard. A lot of times we get our gifts, we unwrap them, we put them on. This is mine. It's mine, 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 mine. I remember a cartoon that you see dogs are flying along. My, 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 but it's not, but Jesus is the kind of gift that you, that you open and you unwrap and you put on, but that you give away. How do you give away? You give away through your character, your conduct, right? Your conversation. How do you give Jesus away? How do you give the precious gift that rescued you from eternal separation from God? Listen, you give it away to other people who are destined for that same destination. Without Jesus, we're destined, we're doomed. Without Jesus, there's no hope. Jesus is our hope. He's always our hope. He is definitely our hope. So, here's the first, number one. This is how Jesus is connected. He first connects to salvation. Everybody say amen. 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 Salvation. It's important. That's where it all begins. That's where it all starts. It starts there. This is, this is where it starts for you. This is where it starts for me. This is where it starts for all of mankind. It starts at salvation. It starts at, listen, hearing that gospel message, receiving that gospel message, and then believing it. Believing is an action word. It commits to action. If you just don't sit there and believe it, believe it's going to cause you to do something with it. And so we need to do something with that gift that we, listen, if you take a gift, you do something with it, don't you? Jesus is that gift. And if we're not sharing and loving in our conversation conduct, listen, if we're not doing that, then we're not sharing the gift that was meant to be shared and given away. We need to do that. So let us look at John 3. And listen, we're all familiar with John 3, 16. Amen? Amen. 
you can probably quote it forward and some of you backwards, right? So, but listen, we're going to start in John 3, 14. And I want us to read some of the verses before and the verses after. I want you to hear the whole spectrum of what's going on. It says here that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, which, by the way, is in Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9. You can write that down. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. See, that snake, and that, that snake in the wilderness was there. It was, it was a pole. It was made of a snake. Our medical symbol. You'll see that on our medical symbol. And what the problem was is that the nation of Israel had rebelled against the holy God. They were tired of the man. They were tired. Why did you bring us out here in this wilderness? Oh, we want to go back to Egypt. Totally rebelling against the holy God. And so, and so you know what happened? And God caused snakes to come and to bite the Israelites. And those who were bitten would die. Until they realized what was going on. And then they cried out to God again. They got underneath God. And then God had Moses make a staff with serpents on it. And he said he posted it in the ground. When anybody looks at it that's been bitten by a snake, listen, it would be healed. And then it's kind of strange, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that it's in this verse right here. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's talking about the cross. Jesus is lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I do what? Draw all men unto me. Listen, his word begins with the cross. Salvation begins with the cross. The fact that, hey, you know that you're a sinner, you need help, and you're hopelessly, you're helpless to be saved to save yourself. You can't do anything to save yourself. So what, what happens? Listen, Jesus dies on the cross. Listen, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin, no remission of sin. He's on the cross. So when you and I look to the cross for our salvation, it's no different than when we look to the, uh, to the symbol that Moses has put in the desert. God forgives you. I just thought, man, that is so cool. What a great picture for us. We looked at the cross. Those people were healed of the snake bite. We're healed of eternal damnation. When we go to the cross and we put our faith and trust in a holy God who saved us and gave us life for us. It's very cool. So in verse 16, a familiar verse, for God so what? Love the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not what? Perish, but have what? Eternal life, forever life, everlasting life is forever. Can you say forever? How long can you say forever? Forever, forever, forever. It's forever. Get that in your spirit. This is not the life that's forever. The forever life is when we leave here. But it can start right here and now, and it should. The forever life begins here, and it begins now in Jesus. Live forever for him. Live forever. Let him be your God. Let him be everything for you. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. It's important that we understand that. Jesus didn't come here to condemn poor judgy. You know why? Because, listen, we're all judged already. We're going to see here in a minute if we're not saved. We're already condemned if we're not saved. He came here to seek and to save us, not to judge us. He didn't come here to condemn us. He came here to bring life back into us, to reunite us with his heavenly Father, that we would be one with him. We're the bride of Christ. He's the groom. We're married to him. And we need to look at it that way. That's a great picture. That's why marriage is such a great picture when it's done correctly in the way God designed it. Marriage is cool because it's a picture of our union with God. And it's really awesome to see that. And so he says here, he says, that anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Notice that. 
Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already, what church? Condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and the only Son of God. The one and only. Through salvation, listen, there's that new birth experience. Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost in Luke 9, listen, 19 and 10. In 2 Peter 3, 9, listen, the Lord does not delay his promise, and some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting for any to perish, but all means all to come to what repentance. He wants us to come to repentance. I mean, I remember when Peter was preaching, remember in Acts, he says, repent and believe. Repent, turn away from your foul works, turn away from your selfishness to flesh, turn away from something, the garbage in your life, and turn to someone, Jesus, and follow him all the days of your life. Do not turn to the left or right, head straight to Jesus. He's the only answer for all of us. He knows best. He's the perfect son of God. He's perfect. There's no one ever been, there's no one today, and no one in the future is going to be as perfect as Jesus. He is perfect. And listen, he loves you emphatically. He loves you so much. He's not going to give you what's wrong. He's going to give you what's right. Because he's perfect, and his love is perfect. Man, get over yourself. Embrace him. Let him, let him do. Listen, let him do what he wants to do with your life. And I said a couple weeks ago, so that at the end of the life, listen, that you, when you die, you die empty. Just like he did on the cross. He died empty. He brought out his life, but he died empty. He had nothing left to give. He died as a sacrifice. Just like the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, how did he die? He had his head chopped off. He gave everything, he exhausted every ounce of potential that he had within. And he went to the grave empty. Please, don't go to the grave, fool. Don't go to the grave half full. Don't go to the grave quarter full. Go to the grave empty. That's what God requires. Let it go. Church up here, 
guide him in all truth, Lord. And we know that the footsteps of a righteous man are what? Are ordered by the Lord. And so I pray that he never forgets that, that now he is righteous, not because of his righteousness, but because he's clothed in the righteousness of the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ, and the blood that was shed for his sinfulness. And Lord, he's clothed in that robe of righteousness, and he's righteous because Jesus you clothed him. So when, God, you look from heaven, you look at my brother Cameron, you see the blood of your son applied to his life. And Father, I thank you, Lord. Guard his heart. Guard his ways. Help us as a church body to encourage him, to disciple him, to show him the way. Help us to be an encourager. Help us to help him stay true to the faith. Stay on course because the devil hates his guts right now because he's going to be effective for the kingdom of God as a mighty spiritual giant. God, use him for your glory. Sanctify him. You sanctify him positionally. Lord, I pray the sanctification process that he offers is ongoing. Lord, that he learns so much about you, God, that he, can, he cannot do anything to turn away from you, Jesus. Guard his heart and his life. And Father, I give you praise. I give you honor and glory for how you're doing that. And using us to help you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say what? Translation in two places in 
here where he's born from above. It means born from above, born of the Spirit of God, born from heaven. The Spirit of God goes down and changes our hearts and lives and takes residence inside of us. But how can anyone be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus said, I assure you, unless someone is born of water, which is of the flesh, and of the Spirit, capital S, God, a Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again, born from above. That's what has to happen. There can be no, listen, understanding of God apart from the new birth experience. If we're not born again, and everything and everything I'm saying does not mean squat to you. We need to listen. You need the Spirit of God to understand what God wants you to do. Outside, other than confession, of God, listen, when He's grabbing your heart to be saved, man, you better run to Jesus to be saved. Amen. You understand that. You have an opportunity to accept it or reject it. And I pray that you choose Jesus. He chooses us first. He comes to us first. But we have a responsibility to choose him when he chooses us. It's impossible for you to know God unless we are born again. You must be born again. So he connects with us when salvation. It's a beautiful thing. Positionally, you are sanctified and set apart unto him forever, sealed until the day that he takes you home. Number two, he connects by his spirit. By his spirit. When born again, God fills us with what? The Holy Spirit, church. We've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit here in the past, this past year. Look at John 14. John 14, we're going to read from 15 through 18. Look what he says. Look, look, look what he says. He said, Jesus says, if you love me, what does he say? He says, you will keep my commandments. Not some of the time. Right? All the time. Do we strive to keep God's commandments? We must strive to keep God's commandments. He says that here. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. To help you, right? He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. So I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, look at this. They're blinded. They can't see the truth because they're blinded. Listen, to know him. They're dead in their trespassing. You know, they're dead in their trespassing sin. <coughs> Ephesians 2 talks about being dead. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 talks about that that listen, Satan blinds the minds of those who are able to see the truth. Sometimes I'll do funerals, and in funerals I'll see lots of people come in, and lots of people sit in the funeral, and they do not want to be there. They're focused on the person, but really a funeral is not focused on the deceased as much as it should be focused on inwardly on us. Because listen, listen, when we see a casket in front of a church, it should be a reminder of Hey, am I ready to meet Jesus, my maker? Am I ready? It should be a reminder that death comes for everybody. Unless Jesus just comes back and raptures the church out of here and takes us out. But death is going to happen. It's going to happen. That's a payment for the sin. 
says, because he remains with you and will be in you, the Spirit, I will not leave you as orphans, I am coming to you. Listen to what he tells his disciples. Then down in John 14, 26, he says, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. He will teach you what? All things. All things and remind you of everything I have told you. He will do that. In John 16 and 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, it says he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Pointing to Jesus every time. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. When we mess up, the Holy Spirit should be pointing you to Jesus. So you can confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9, written for believers. He's faithful just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all righteousness. You need to do that. So anyway, it's there. It's there for you. The Holy Spirit will point you to Jesus every time. Look at Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. He says, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. You are sealed until the day of redemption. Ephesians 4, 3 tells us that. You are sealed. You are sealed. Nothing can ever take that out of you. Nothing can ever take that away from you. A seal by God is an absolute seal. When he seals you, he does not break the seal. You're a seal forever. Trust in that. Also, because we have his spirit, the word of God teaches us that we also must do what? We have the spirit, so we also must walk by the spirit. See, when you're not walking by God's Spirit in your life, you know what you're doing? You're walking after your own flesh. When you don't walk in the Spirit, you're not walking the way God wants you to walk. You know what you're doing is? You're turning around, you become your own God, which means that you rebel against holy God because you're doing your own way and you're doing your own thing. God hates that. That's sin. To know and to do right, the Bible says, and don't do it, what is it, church? So we need to think, we need to be thinking through a lot of these things. The Holy Spirit is in you and with you and upon you to lead you and to guide you and to show you the way. Listen to his voice. But listen, I dare say it, but if you don't spend time with the Holy God every day, it's hard to hear his voice. It's hard to hear his voice. And when you don't hear his voice, then you go your own way, you do your own thing. Our life is not our own. First Corinthians 6, 9 says, He who were bought and paid with a price. What was the price? His blood. If we're not our own, who do we belong to? Him. So he tells us and leads us and shows us in his word how we live our life. We need to surrender our life and live it the way he designs for us to live. Every time. We must walk by the Spirit. That's every day. That's every hour. That's every minute. That's every second. That's impossible. And I, I would say it is difficult because we still are in these bodies and we still have flesh. And it's a war that takes place once upon the other. But see, Jesus said he overcame the world. 
overcome the world, can overcome that desire in you. He always makes a way of escape. He makes a way out every time. And you need to heed his prodding in your heart as the Holy Spirit touches your heart. In Galatians 5, 16, he says, I say to them, walk by the Spirit. And he says, when you walk by the Spirit, he says, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's what he's saying. Do you see how he is your guide? Jesus is your guide. He's present with you. He gives you the word to instruct you and to show you the way. He gives you his spirit is in there to show you, to turn you. I think about Paul going to Macedonia, and they turn him off. The Holy Spirit told him not to put roadblocks up so he couldn't go that way. And he didn't go that way. The Holy Spirit will do that when you're in tune with him. He will speak to your heart. He will help you to know which way to go and what to do. Look at verse 17. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other like night and day, so that you don't do what you want. It doesn't get any clearer than that, folks. We're not to do what we want. We're to do what he wants. It's that simple, man. That's like third grade. His spirit prompts me to go this way and to do that thing, leading and guiding my life by my submission to his will and to his word. I've got to get underneath it. And some of us are just on the surface. Folks, it's time to dive in deep. Be all in. Be ready in season and out season. Listen, be ready to give answers to those within you. Be ready. God wants to use you. You have a spiritual gift that you haven't tapped into yet. And so you're storing all this potential for what? For your own pleasure. When it's meant for somebody else. Number three, he connects by his word. <laughs> he connects by his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from what? From what is heard. And what is heard comes through what? The message about Jesus, about Christ. The word of God begins in our salvation experience. Ma'am, how are you going to know unless, unless you hear it from somewhere, from a preacher or somebody? You know, in, in a sense, we're kind of like all preachers. We have the message. You have your testimony of what Jesus did for you, what Jesus did to rescue you from yourself, from hell, from separation from the Holy God, from a, being a dead walking zombie to being alive in Christ's vibrant person of God. And God wants to use you. So I want to encourage you this morning. Get connected in his word. It comes from his word. The word of God begins in our second spirit, but also carries us through the rest of our lives. It is so valuable. Don't deny the word of God. I said yesterday, the word of God, this isn't just a book. It looks like a book. It's got, it's got writing in it like a book. But actually, there's 66 books in here. There's 40 different authors in this book. This book was written over a 1,500-year period. This book is the Word of God. It's God's Word. And it comes to us. And we do well to read it. All the time. Be watered by His Word. Be watered by His Word. Look at Psalm 119, 105. He says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The Word lights my feet and the pathway. Listen, so I can see where I am going. Without his word, you cannot see where you're going. You're just walking 
in darkness. But his word will light your feet so you can see your feet and it will light your pathway. And I want to tell you something. And your word, your word, and it will light your pathway. Listen, it's like headlights. It's actually better than hell. You know, a headlight in a car, how far can you see in front of your car? Only so far. How far can Jesus see? He sees at the end of your life. He sees, he knows. It lights your pathway. He wants to light your pathway every time. Look at Hebrews 4, 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living, listen, and effective or active and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit, the joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. And listen, when I look at this, it doesn't take long when you're talking to somebody to know who they are or who they're not. It doesn't take long to know what a person is about when you're talking to them. The amount of truth that it's in them that comes out of their mouth. It doesn't take long to figure it out. Listen to this. This book, the Bible, it is the mind of God. Think about it. It's not just a book. It's the very mind of God. It's his mind to us. We should be excited to read it. We should be excited to get into it. We, want, we should ask God, Lord, fill my cup. Fill it up. Let it run over. Let it spill out. Let it touch every heart. The book is the mind of God. It is the state of man. It is the way of salvation. It is the doom of the sinners and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be what? Wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you. And I like that picture with the fork on the Bible that you had up there. Oh, that's awesome. I thought that was kind of cool, right? Food. Listen. <laughs> and so, uh, listen. <laughs> food to support you and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map. It is the pilgrim's staff. It is the pilot's compass. The soldier's sword. And the Christian's character. Amen. Is the word of God your character? Is it your character? Are you living it? Are you walking it? Are you breathing it? Are you demonstrating the word of God everywhere you go? God wants you to do this. He wants you to do this. Here paradise is restored. Heaven is open and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is his grand subject. Our good is his design and the glory of God is in. It should fill the memory. It should rule your heart and guide your feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It's a mine of wealth. It's a paradise of glory and a river of pleasure. Follow his precepts. And it will lead you to Calvary, to an empty tomb, and to a resurrected life. That's where it leads you. In Christ, yes, to glory itself for eternity. I want you to be there. And the one that wrote that, it says anonymous. God bless him. He connects in salvation. He connects with his spirit. He connects with his word. Number four, 
when we apply all these tools to salvation, listen, the word, the spirit, when we apply all these to our life, is there a prayer applies to us? And when we apply them, this is what we end up doing. We end up experiencing God in such a phenomenal way that we would never even thought or dreamed of. You know, he took me from what I was as a good-for-nothing, hell-deserving sinner, you know, and saved me by his grace. In 1987 in Sicily, got my feet up off of that floor where I poured out my tears from my soul and my sin to him. And listen, and he set my feet on a direction to serve him. I'll never forget that. I got home, and he goes like, what happened to you? Open that door, when I'm home, come back to my mission, you know. I'm home. <laughs> and there I was, over in Siganella, Sicily, in Europe, when I get saved. In a hotel room box, so don't tell me you can't get saved. And you don't have to be in church to get saved. You can have church wherever you're at, and I pray that you do. Although you ought to be in church when you're even on vacation. I like doing it, by the way. It's kind of cool. But listen, when we all apply these tools Jesus has applied, we truly experience him and the power of his presence in our lives. Listen, which makes it the present that always keeps giving. You never know what Jesus is going to do from one day to the next. I didn't know I was going to do a service yesterday until a few days ago. I'm thankful that God gave me an opportunity to share his name with a bunch of folks in a time of desperation and hurt, that they would find comfort and peace of mind. Because he is always present with us as a believer. By experiencing God's activity and movement in my life, our hearts then are knitted together. My heart is knitted together with Jesus. Our hearts as a church of body of Christ are knitted together. Our hearts are knitted together. We become one. I'm in Christ and he's in me. What we do, we do together. Everywhere you go as a believer, you take Jesus with you. You need to make sure you're not traveling on the blood of Jesus where you go. You need to think about where you're going. You need to think about where you're going. Be in tune with his spirit. When he says, don't go there, don't do that, you need to check up and say, okay, Lord, is that you? And you can check it through the word, if you know the word. And he'll let you know. Or maybe you need a certain set of questions that you could ask that would help you. You know, I was thinking about that and these certain questions. I'm going to say, I have them in here. I have some questions in here that I would ask myself. The decision, is it within the explicit moral will of God? Should I make that decision based on the moral will of God? There's lots of questions. Is the decision being made in the attitude of Jesus? And there's many questions that I could go through. And you can ask God. You can ask yourself, basically. And you'll find your answer. I promise you, you'll find your answer. He has equipped us with every tool that we need to accomplish all that God has willed us to do or called us to do. Everyone. Look at John 15, 1 through 5. He says in this, and I love this passage of Scripture. This, this is, helps us in our connectivity with Jesus. Connection, this is, this is huge for us. He says, I am the vine, the true vine. He says, and my Father is the vine vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, what does he do? He removes. And, every, and, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce what? More fruit. He doesn't cut it off. He cuts it back so it will produce more fruit. So, listen, church, hear me. You must ask yourself, who's working here in these first two verses? 
Look at it. Who's doing all the work? Are you doing the work or is God doing the work? Amen. Think about this. So listen to what he says. Who's expending energy here? God and Jesus is expending energy, not us. He says, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And here's what he says. He says, remain, remain or abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. He said, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains or abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. The vine and the branch. It's just so happy. Got a branch with all these little leaves on here. So when you see a little branch like this, obviously I've cut this branch off, right? So it's going to attach to the trunk of the tree or the bush, right? So can life flow through this branch any longer? No way, it can't. And so try as it might. It might try as it Man, soak him up. 
And I'm going to throw you a little curve here. You got to add number five on there. <laughs> add number five on there. God also connects, this is the last one, by faith. By faith. I just had that. Hebrews 11, 6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. You got to seek him. You got to seek him. If you seek him, listen, he's going to show up. So I want to show you something right here. What is this? This is like a wire, right? I call it a wire. This is what, this is, this is how it works. This is what faith is. Faith is this. I need, let me see. Brother Allen, come on up here. Sister Linda, come on up here. Come on here, Linda. I'm going to change your name to Grace. All right? Hi, Grace. How you doing? That's good. I want you to hold the end of the wire, right? And look at here. This guy here, this is Jesus. See Jesus? Hi, Jesus. How you doing? Okay. I want you to hold the end of the wire. Now, I want to tell you, this is what faith is. Faith is a wire that connects grace to Jesus. You can't listen. Faith is not what you So even though we see this wire, the truth is, this is the wire that connects grace with Jesus' salvation. Faith. And you all have a measure of faith. I know. You know how I know you have faith? Because you're sitting in a pew. You knew that pew was going to hold you up. And so you exercise your faith. That pew was going to hold you up. You didn't eat too much turkey a few weeks ago. And you're sitting there. And it's supporting because you had faith. You had faith to wash your face and turn on your face. You have faith to get in your car and get the start. Faith, God gives every man a measure, push a person a measure of faith. Every woman, man, child, a measure of faith. This is the why that holds it together. Give it up for our, uh, our two birthdays. This is the why. Ephesians 2 8 says, By grace are you saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one could ever boast, ever. So don't please God because we, don't, we do not see him. A lot of times we don't please God because we don't see him. Even in church, therefore we do not trust him. We don't see him like, if I don't see him, I have a hard time trusting him. We try to like seeing is believing when it's not. You can't see your oxygen you're breathing. You can't taste it, touch it, smell it, but it's there. Because if it wasn't, y'all would be laying in the pews right now. Amen? But you know it's there. Faith says it's there. The reality is it's there. So a lot of times we as people, we don't, we don't please God because we don't see him. And therefore we do not trust him. But we will, listen, we will go to church and sing him. Faith is this. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, just because God said so. Amen. 